Hi, this is Todd Petty with Senior Housing Unfiltered. Welcome to the program today, which is episode three, The Design Charette, Envisioning New Senior Living. So today, there's three goals that we want to achieve as we discuss uh, with Melissa Banco. One, hesitation will never get you the answer you want. Number two, action will give you more discoveries than hesitation and start moving Action will come to you. You've got to get moving. So ladies and gentlemen and friends from around Senior Housing Globe, we're so grateful to Melissa Banco. She's taken the time to pour into us her visionary design for the new housing product ready to be discovered. It is my privilege, privilege, excuse me, Melissa, <laughs> to introduce to you our mentor and friend, Melissa Banco with Banco Design. Hello, hello. Thank you, Todd, and uh, and members of our beloved Senior Housing Unfiltered podcast. Uh, I am honored that you would set time apart to hang out with me uh, um, on this program um, and be with me uh, to learn a little bit more about what Banco is doing. Uh, as we work together uh, to better this industry and prepare for changes coming to senior housing in 2021. Uh, Thank you, Melissa. So Melissa and I are broadcasting from the future site at Banco Design somewhere in Atlanta. Somewhere. So we were blindfolded and escorted to the undisclosed location because apparently it's secret knowledge, (laughs) which will soon be revealed by Melissa at the appropriate time. She said, I cannot do it yet. Yes, yes. Um, We've we've leaked a little bit, but uh, we're super excited about a new space uh, for the studio and the warehouse of Banco Design, uh, not too far from where we are now, but we've been really blessed this year to continue to grow, um, and that meant outgrowing our current space. So how could you be expanding? You've got all this office space you're going to be moving into. We were met by all your team when we walked <laughs> in. I mean, it's busy, and it's like two days before Thanksgiving. What yeah. is going on here? Uh, listen, what sets Banco apart is definitely this team, uh, and it. we have had a busy year despite the craziness of of COVID and um, what the world's been dealing with in 2020. Uh, We've stayed really true to our roots here um, this year and um, continued to grind down um, chase work and, 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 and just pump out really good work with our really awesome clients. Um, And we've seen an influx um, of, of clients. We've seen an influx of talent. We've scooped up talent from other verticals that um, haven't been as busy this year, which has been a huge blessing. Great. Um, uh, So uh, we're going to be talking in a moment about becoming a person of action in response to changes that are occurring in our industry. So we have an incredible, vital lesson for all of us. Uh, Action is where transformation really happens in your life and my life. So stay with us. Uh, You are our friends and we'll prepare you for what is going to happen in 2021. Our goal is to bring some value to you in exchange for your time today. And we appreciate you joining us on this podcast. Uh, We're proud of our team members who are making this podcast possible. So we have immensed ourselves in the fourth quarter at Lloyd-Jones with the future of senior housing. And one of the most important leadership lessons to understand is we do what we need to do, not what we necessarily want to do. I mean, there's things I don't want to do every day, but I know I need to do them. And in the midst of an unpredictable pandemic, regardless of how negative it can be at times, we must keep doing what we need to do to prepare for the future, regardless of how we feel, because the future is coming, it's going to be different, and we must prepare for it. So we're going to share this lesson with you. I hope we do a good job. 
We normally do a good job at communicating. We're going to give it our best shot. So let's go for our for it. Our podcast is titled The Design Charette, Envisioning New Senior Living uh, with Melissa Banco. <laughs> Melissa, you know what that is? I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, what the the audience doesn't realize is we're actually going to sing for an entire hour. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's I thought, you actually. Isn't yeah, that's that actually me. I, 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 I'm a humble man, so I can't play anymore. So, we'll we'll if, 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 tune in to Melissa's website and you can figure out thousands. Yeah, yeah. Tune into the telethon. <laughs> the next telethon, year, yes. And we'll send a link to uh, our debut as a singing duo, <laughs> uh, uh, first annual. Our first hit record. It's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. So, uh, Colonel Joshua Chamberlain has a great quote. I want to give you. He said, "My future is immediate." I will grasp it with both hands and carry it with running feet. That is a very important statement. Uh, let me read it again. I will, the future is immediate. It's now. I will grasp it with both hands and I'll carry it with my running feet. When I'm uh, faced with the choice of doing nothing or doing something, I will always choose to act. Wow. I love that fact. When I'm really faced with the choice of doing nothing or doing something, we always must do something. So the bottom line thesis is this. If you do not have all the answers, move anyway. How many times do we hesitate because we do not have the answers? Action. We have to take action. There's not traction without action. And action is a part of traction. And Melissa is going to tell us today how they've taken action to prepare for the future. So, Melissa Banco, welcome. Melissa, you've been preparing for 2021 this entire year. Every time we've met you, you are doing something, you're creating something, you're getting ready. I'm watching the design, the product change before my eyes, and you're ready. You're active. Share with us a little bit about what you're doing. What are you getting ready for? I want to know. Secret knowledge. (laughs) So, uh, I agree with all of what you're saying and that uh, there's goodness in action. And uh, even after uh, this year, um, we had, uh, you know, we had projects go on hold. We had uh, projects that needed to be pushed off because they were renovation work. Um, 2020 was a year where we were thrown things that we didn't anticipate, um, but we kept moving. Um, and we we grinded down as a team. We had uh, hard conversations about how to do that. We were strategic. Um, we knew that we wanted to continue to stay in the verticals that we were, and we wanted to continue to stay successful in those verticals. Um, and we put a plan in motion. We took on, uh, a, an amazing studio in Minnesota so that we could expand our services within, uh, senior living. Um, that team is, is, has been a wonderful asset to us in taking on more, um, skilled nursing so that we have skilled nursing all the way up through luxury product. Um, we've expanded staff. Um, we've continued to uh, work with clients and, and push projects along. So uh, we've been busy. Excellent. Excellent. We've been busy. So we're going to find out today of how you've been preparing to meet this new product change, this new shift that's taken place. What does senior housing look like in 2021? What does new product look like? What's the product for the middle market? What are we seeing before our eyes? And we look forward to speaking with you about that today. So there is um, a misperception maybe about what uh, an interior designer in general does. 
Um, uh, yes, we get to play with all of the pretty things, beautiful finishes and specifying lighting and we get to draw all day and just roll around and paint chips. So, um, but the reality is, yes, that is a, an amazing part of what we do. But um, our our value add is is really in the the programming and and the space planning and the understanding what a building really needs. So, in reacting to what you're saying about um, expectations of who we're designing for, not all buildings are meant to be equal. And you have to have an understanding on the front end about who your target demographic is and who you are designing those buildings for. So you're, you're saying, Melissa, are you saying <laughs> that buildings were designed without the end user in mind? I am saying that there has been a boom in our industry um, before the baby boom ever got to it. So yes, the baby boom generation is going to ask for different things. But again, we can't lump uh, that generation. We can't lump all seniors into the same category. They have different needs. All baby boomers are not created, created equal. equal. They need different things. Uh, the care level within that, within this age bracket that we're designing for, they need different things. They need different levels of care. We can't just assume that all these buildings can have the same things and work for everyone. The other reality is you do have to peel back the financial part of it and you, and you need to bring in your consultants to peel that back with you so that we are planning and designing an appropriate building, not only based on what your residents need, but where you need to fall in the market. Listen, we have designed a lot of really great buildings that are all over the spectrum as far as, again, level of care, um, where they fall in, in resident um, fee and what the what the um, financial play is there and yes there's a there is a, a smaller portion that are asking for this luxury product and so we are having lots of conversations in the industry is how do we serve the rest of that demographic how do we design really great buildings that make sense uh, from a performa level but are also giving the care that is absolutely needed in these buildings. So there, there has been this shift to almost out-design each other, who can make it bigger, who can make it better, who can make it, you know, higher end. And we want to be strategic about who we're working with because at the core, it needs to be about the care. It needs to be about the service that is within these buildings long after we exit. So again, there's a value play with a, a designer who un understands the senior living space so that we can help you map out programmatically what the space needs to do so that it can support the staff that is there to take care of the residents. Yeah, that, that's a, a great point because uh, we're seeing right now community, very beautiful communities that uh, are stalled in lease up. And uh, the price point is so high that it that people are not willing to pay the price for the extra amenities. Right. And and we are not saying by any means that that you can't have really great design and care in the same model. Banco has built a business on it. We can have good-looking buildings 
that 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 fit and check all the boxes, but also support the care side. There's a way to do both. You can have really great design at any budget. We can have different rates and different room sizes and different levels of care, and you can still have really lovely coordinated design as a whole that also support the program. We we beg profusely to bring in ops early, bring me the ops team, let me dissect what it is that they need because every ops group is also different. Mm-hmm. And we are a consultant that is is brought on to support that. So again, there isn't this secret formula that a great interior designer in the senior living space just pulls out every single project and just starts going through the manual. You have to really dive in. You have to listen to what your operations team needs. You have to listen to what their expectations are of who they want to attract. And you are responsible as a designer to to support that, to design around what that operations team, what that development team really needs. Because again, anybody can come in and slap up tile and, and, and hang lights. Um, you know, it's all of the little things that go behind those specifications that make a, a building successful. And it's a lot less about what you're looking at when, you know, you're looking at Instagram photos, which listen, we love that because we do that really well. But um, again, there's there's a support on, on the back end because again, we exit, right? We, we turn over a building and we want to come back a year later, two years later, three years later and hear that we have been able to serve seniors here. It's been really successful. The buildings have wrapped, you know, our residents and it feels like home. That's definitely part of, you know, why we design in this in this space. So that so that maybe we should um, pivot on that and talk about what what is needed to be known about older adults in the variety of groups they are anywhere from you know we talk about fifty five plus sure. all the way up to skilled nursing but fifty five to eighty five and what their special needs are because uh, to your point not only in design but we see operationally people have entered the space particularly younger people that are very smart people mm-hmm. and and quite frankly think there's this is pretty simple. This is going to be a cakewalk. And now they're dealing with management of older adults mm-hmm. and, and and their needs in that and they 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 fail. They're they're failing. And companies built upon um even purely one hundred percent service delivery of hospitality services with when they not emphasizing healthcare, they're struggling as well. So let maybe we talk a little bit about how design plays into that of the servicing of an older adult. Yeah, again, I think it's the mashup and how you um, perfectly blend the healthcare need, the care need, um, to really great design so that our residents do feel comfortable. They don't feel like they're in an institution. They don't feel like this is where they've, quote unquote, had to go. They don't feel like they're old. You know, they want to feel vibrant. They want to feel like they still have purpose. They want to feel like where they are living and, 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 and where they are somewhere that folks want to come and visit. So again, there's a way to do that. Can we make sure that meds are, are given on time and are easily accessible, but also locked up and safe when they need to be? Do I have, you know, access to, snacks and meals and all of the great F and B things when I want it to, like I would at my home. How do we, how do we um, monitor that? Do I have someone who is going to love me, lay hands on me and make me feel, um, you know, loved 
throughout the day. Um, and again, that's you didn't hear anything about lighting or color or palette or, or any of that. Now, there's a way that we a building can support that. So again, it's it's layout. It's understanding how an operations team staffs a building and what that looks like. Are we taking care of our staff with space planning so they have the spaces that they need to be successful? Um, and then there are, of course, design-driven things. Um, are we making sure that the lighting that we are designing highlights our design and all of the pretties, but is it also the correct light level for our seniors? Is it the correct light level for our staff? And sometimes that's different. Um, is are we picking appropriate finishes so that we can make sure that we are um, providing slip resistant finishes? Are we mm -hmm. providing materials that can easily be cleanable and wipeable and sanitized? And over time, it's not going to look like they were cleaned and sanitized and, you know, and wiped down a million times. So um, Banco designs very resumercially and, and that word comes up a lot with us and I feel like we should coin it. But um, <laughs> because we we feel like we want to make sure that these, these um, communities do feel like home. It's a residence. Mm -hmm. Residents live here. Right, right. So how do we provide the residential allure with the commercial needs? Mm -hmm. And and again supporting the care component. So, so so what tell me what happens in that in the process because I've noticed if you can go out to Texas mm -hmm. where there's a very uh, a, a very strong life safety component to sure. bringing these buildings out of the ground. Yes. And you don't have an option on light levels. I mean, light levels are being re measured in every area of the building, and it's a minimum requirement. Sure. And so there's really a lot of adequate lighting yes. in most Texas buildings. And then you can come out to the Georgia side, and you can mm -hmm. go into buildings, and you're wondering where the lights went. Mm -hmm. Obviously, someone is designing the building to minimum, a minimum standard that doesn't require all those lights. But in Texas, they are upping their game because they have a higher minimum to achieve. But both communities come out and both are functioning. What what happens in the disconnect there? Is that because architects are trained to meet the minimum standard from a cost-saving standpoint, which requires a design firm such as yours to come in and say, hey, we have to up our lights even though the minimum is X because we have seniors that can't see, we have memory care residents that uh, you know can't see three feet in front of them and they mistakenly see things for, you know, what they're not and right. can get confused and exacerbate their emotions. I mean, how does, is that something you regularly have input in? Absolutely. And are you successful when you have that input? Um, I think so. So um, it's a team effort. You've got, uh, you know, a whole team of consultants that are working on these buildings and we, we love that um, collaboration with architecture and MEP and structural and landscape and all the wonderful consultants that it takes to, um, create a holistic community. So absolutely, your interior designer is going to weigh in on what those light levels. Now, what a jurisdiction is telling you that you have to have for code compliancy might be different from what your interior designer and your architect are telling you is right and good for your vertical. So our light levels and our light color temperature does look different in the senior living vertical than it does when we're designing traditional multifamily or hospitality. Mm -hmm. So again, it's not just about light level. It's also about color temperature and how that affects our seniors and the way that um, they see things that is different from how a 20 something or a 30 something is seeing things. So that, that does play into um, a lot of the other things we do with color palette and variation in tone and contrast and all of those things. 
So, you know, I could talk all day about materials and what that looks like and how we're weighing in on all of those things, flooring, transitions, and slip resistancy, and antimicrobial materials, and what cabinet heights are the best. All of those things are the little things, again, that one probably doesn't, you know, notice, but you do notice when you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. You do notice when it feels right. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're not consciously aware of it, but subconsciously... you. Something is registering. That's what we hope our users are saying. I don't know why, you know, maybe I don't know why it feels, but you know when you're attracted to something because it's good looking, because Mm -hmm. it's aesthetically pleasing to Mm -hmm. you. Feels good. But when the design is right, all those heights are right. And, and, and the way you're interacting with the space, when that feels right, we don't, we don't want you to necessarily notice that it's, it's designed well. And so those are the little, again, you know, nuances and the tricks of the trade with the experience that you've learned, you know, being in a certain market. So, um, you know, that, that's again, you know, what we bring to the table when well, we're, so that, we're that's really interesting. So I, I remember, uh, my mom, um, I, I helped her last year go into assisted living after my father passed away. And um, I, I took her to a resort building thinking that she'd like it. And she went, it was a grand hall and she went in and had the bistro and uh, it was a very beautiful building. Uh, it looked very much like Ritz Carlton. Uh, I'm thinking of the one at Lake Oconee um, over in um, Greensboro. And she went in there and she said, you know, Todd, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want this. I, I don't want to spend your inheritance. Did on she this. know why she didn't want to be? She, yeah, it didn't feel it didn't good. feel right. Yeah, it didn't feel right. She said, she said, I don't like this. I don't want to spend the money. I said, Mom, it's the same amount of money as one we, we saw earlier. I'll tell about that in a minute. Right. And she said, I, I don't feel good this. I'm not comfortable with this. And But doesn't that prove the, the point that not all buildings are going to just fit all the, check all the boxes for every single resident? Absolutely. And that's okay. Yeah, that so we she, have buildings that are going to feel right to some and not to others. But the ethos behind what we're doing has to be right and good. Right, right. And she said, this is a young person's <laughs> community. And it was, it was an assisted living. So she chose a... Smaller community, uh, small footprint, uh, very home-like. She said, it, that's where I coined the term. She said, yeah. Todd, it feels like it wraps, wrapping, it wraps its arms around me and make, makes me feel very comfortable. Paying the same amount of money in a different place without the grandiose. Sure. And I see a lot of people share that. So that's registering with either that demographic group from a different time or it's resonating with someone that's older right that that it's no longer a priority okay but take the age out of it scale is a big part of what a designer does and and plans out so regardless of whether you're 30 or you're 80 scale still applies so just because you've got 30 foot ceilings doesn't mean it's right and good and just because the grand hall is bigger than the one, you know, down does not make it right and good. You do want, again, regardless of age, scale, and is it needs to be planned appropriately. So, again, that's one of those things that maybe folks don't think, oh, a designer is breaking that down. Yes, we're absolutely doing that. We're dressing uh, a building appropriately. And we're also breaking down scale so that it does feel comfortable when you're in it. And that was pre-COVID <laughs> when everything could be, you know, open. So, again, depending on your resident uh, and depending on what um, you want to bring to market, that's also going to play into what what your, what a developer or an ops team or ownership team tells us that they're 
you know, their wish list is of what they want to bring to the market and, and who they see their target demographic being. Do, do you have, so that, that brings up another question I just thought about. Do you have conversations about the staffing of a building? Yes. Because one of the things that, again, that we're seeing as occupancy is suppressed, yeah. uh, you know, we've lost 20% uh, pretty much in an AL memory care over the last six months through attrition with the inability to move anybody in. Yes. So revenues drop, a lease up was stalled, um, you know, we're 10% below um, occupancy stabilization. Capex couldn't be spent. Renovations couldn't right. be done. But so the but so the first the the greatest need was staffing mm-hmm. to take care of the residents. Mm-hmm. But because of the costs associated with the building, mm-hmm. the demand from investors not I don't know all of them, but generally speaking, was to cut cost in the single most. Uh, costly line item is labor. Sure. And so that's where the cost was cut be in order to support a building that was highly, I don't even want to use the word amenitized, but it was highly designed for a wow factor. Well, and to be full. And, and to be full, but, but even, but if the staffing doesn't support the levels of care that the resident needs, you're not going to keep people in the building. Right. And actually, we're seeing that. People come in, they're wowed by the building, they love the building, they stay, the care doesn't match the building, the care is lacking, there's not enough staff to take care of the residents, they exit, they move out, and they go down the road. Yeah, Having I, experienced that and say, it was a great place, it was, I was attracted to it, it was great, but I didn't receive the care that I needed. Sure, I get that. So, um, so speaking to staff, with any business infrastructure, um, time is money. Right. So um, it's the same here at being a service driven company. Time is money. And you want to talk about efficiency and you want to make sure that what you're planning um, makes sense from a staffing perspective. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about programming and space planning. So mm-hmm. here's where we serve meals. And, and OK, then let's talk about how the tra- what that travel path is and how we're getting food from dining room to dining room A and then to dining room B and to dining room C. And let's talk about when we do uh, need to give meds, what does that look like? So I've got care stations and, and are they in the right location? Mm-hmm. Because I've got, uh, tell me how many, uh, you know, staff members we have doing that. What does that look like? Let's talk about, you know, reception and, and, and then admin suite and where those people need to be so that they are placed in the building where it makes sense. We've got activity directors and we've got all sorts of a- additional care staff. You've got laundry. That's a whole other you know, maybe not sexy part of the design process. You're talking about how, what, what does that look like? Are we taking um, laundry from rooms? Are we, are we bringing that to a master laundry space? Or is there laundry, laundry in the rooms? Mail, what does mail look like? Do we have mail being brought to a central location and we have a staff member that's handing that out? Is there a parcel mm-hmm. area? Is there a place? So you have to talk about those day-to-day activities and what's going to happen inside the building day-to-day so that we can help you plan to be efficient because then you're, then you could get away with, I don't know how to say that better, with a slimmer staff so that, that what they're doing today is there enough, is efficient. Right. Right. So, um, and then also let's talk about longevity of keeping that staff. So you have staff in there and they learn the process and here's what the day to day looks like. Are we taking care of our staff members? Do they have a space where they can go and they can chart or they can um, complete their their daily activities that maybe aren't resident facing? Are we giving them 
the flexibility with office space? Are we giving them the flexibility with uh, that downtime again with where it's not uh, resident facing? Because if we don't take care of the staff, the staff doesn't take care of the resident. So we're designing buildings, obviously, for our residents first and foremost, but we're also designing buildings for the staff that's going to be in them. So so when you're speaking, uh, Melissa, this is interesting, when you're speaking with new people to the industry, yes. you know, there's all there's always there, there's some of these sacred cows that have been around for 20 years that I think people think are brilliant because it saves money and people are attracted to saving money. So I think of the, uh, you know, some of these sacred cows. One is, well, we really don't need a break space for the um, for the employees because they need to be working with the residents. So when they take their break, they can take it with them in the dining room. Sure, but you they, know, do you know what's more expensive though? Turnover. Well, not only turnover, but a DOL Department of Labor <laughs> audit that finds that you didn't give them space that hour that you deducted their pay, and therefore you owe them the money for the last one year right. plus all the employees. That's a regulation right. that needs to be factored in. Right. And right, and turnover is is significant. Because residents in the building like consistency. Sure. They, they And when there's constant turnover, their emotions become exacerbated in stress. Right, right, right. So you and I were, um, we were sort of just talking back and forth um, and, and sort of talking about this topic today. And, and really two things came to mind for us. And that was um, that you and I were of like mind about things that maybe we're working in the industry and things we'd like to see improve in the industry. And I get asked all the time, um, why do you want to be in the senior living space? Why do you enjoy designing in that vertical so much? Um, and I've, I've said, and, and we're starting to see that turn a little bit, but we, we as a company saw an opportunity again, to provide really great design, but also help operations group and development groups to plan a little bit more on the front end so that not only uh, their buildings can be efficient in the long run, but also the process to get to that design is more efficient um, over communicating on the front end about uh, what that design process looks like, um, talking about budgets up front, being having really you know candid conversations about who we're designing for, um, and really doing some strategic planning on the front end, which we have found makes better buildings yeah. in the long run. Um, so we enjoy it because I think that... Um, in having those conversations, we're, we're, we're building better buildings, but also um, being able to um, take that that the, the pretty side of it and applying it on top of that. Um, and and because, again, it goes back to that mashup. You can have both, right? You can right. have a, a really well-planned out building that's taking care of the residents that it needs to take, take care of, but it can also feel really pretty <laughs> and right. it can feel nice to be in. And there's a way to do that. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And I, I think when you have operations involved in the very beginning, e even if uh, the operational desires do not prevail, sure. uh, at least everyone at the table understands what we're giving up. You know, so if the code doesn't include maybe a, a clean and dirty or, or, or a clean and soiled mm -hmm. utility area, and we're just going to have one area where we're going to have it mixed and operations is saying we really need separate spaces for infection control or for uh, ease of labor. And we said, we just don't have the room. We're not going to do it. We're going to, we're all going to combine it. Then we all can say, okay, but we all understand once we're open, the challenges this is going to bring to the operation side. And if we all say, yes, amen, we all agree the challenge is going to make them. We all have buy-in sure. versus making that decision without operations. Then you hand the building over to them. Everybody leaves. The GC leaves. The developers are just like check in once a month, and now operation is trying to deliver 
what the what the client is really paying for, right. which is service and care in a building that will not necessarily promote it. And there's a lot of stress. Right. And then you've got moving around of spaces or trying to make spaces work that were designed for another purpose. And that's that doesn't make sense. And it certainly doesn't show well. Sure. So it's trying to mitigate that on the front end. And you've seen operational um, groups go crazy, I, I believe, when they start to move spaces around. Yes. What they think is good. Oh, it makes us go crazy. Too. I'm getting twisted. <laughs> so. I, I really love it too when they're just kind of let go and like, hey, we're going to remodel this room. So you guys go out and find a contractor and put whatever you want in it. Right. Well, I think that what um, successful groups have figured out is that there there has to be a level of flexibility. And if, if we didn't learn all that as a whole, uh, you know, in 2020 is you have to pivot and you have to be flexible it's um, no one is saying that the new model is to strip out all the amenities. We want those amenities to be there if it makes sense for the demographic that we're targeting for that certain building. So we're not no one's saying I'm not saying strip them out. I'm, I'm saying be smart about mm-hmm. it and, and hire an interior designer that can walk you through. Um, how to do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've referenced it's the bistro's become a joke, I feel like, in, in, in our space. It's like, you know, everyone's got the bistro, everyone's got the movie theater, everyone's got the arts and crafts room. And to some degree, you, you do want to have um, those spaces programmatically, but can we design spaces that are a little flexible so that um, you're not maybe taking on uh, more square footage? You've got, you've got spaces that are going to turn over. And I think that this year specifically has taught us that that will be essential. Um, and, and the grandiose spaces, um, that we were designing in 19 and 18, um, probably will be re looked at. Mm-hmm. Again, why, why is a resident going to come to a community? They're going to come to a community because they are getting something from the community that they cannot get at home, right? So if we provide a space that feels comfortable, it feels residential, um, it, there, the arms have been wrapped around. How do we make sure that again, we're providing things, um, that they need? It's that care component. Um, it's the purpose. It's engagement. It's mm-hmm. socialization. And we can provide all those things through really great amenities, but let's be strategic about it. Let's make sure that as a whole, the project makes sense. And, and I'm not, again, not talking just about the care or the design part, but financially. And if you have a good interior designer who's going to have those tough conversations with you about how to spend the money right, let's have that conversation. Well, if you and if you can limit, if you can reduce the your square footage, um, and that results in a drop in the residents' rent, that's going to be very important moving forward. And that's designing to the middle market, exactly. which there is a void in the market is designing for the middle market. So exactly. how do we do that? And and again, that's not like, hey, listen, you're middle market, you don't get the bistro, you don't get the, you know, the theater, you don't, that that. That's not what anybody's saying. We're saying let's be smart about how to plan it right so it makes sense for that project type. Right. Well, so I, I kind of look at what Hyatt Place has done uh, is, is maybe a good example of where we're going because if you go stay at a Hyatt Place, you walk into the front and you're greeted by the concierge, by, you know, the desk manager and you check in. And uh, by the way, right next to it, you want a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and you go sit down and then she moves over there and serves you your glass of wine and you can have your pizza uh, and then, oh, well, I need a uh, ride to the airport. So uh, the one of the desk clerks jumps in the van. They take you to the airport. It's all centrally located. You have this nice space where um, people people are all around. And you know, you're not having to go down to the right to the restaurant and then further down to the right to the bistro and further down to the right 
to um, the business center. It's it's all conserving space, bringing people to together together, and and having still a good deliverable. Right. Well, that so that's a you know Banco uh, as a firm, we are in three uh, three verticals: so senior living, traditional multifamily. Um, and hospitality. And there is some beauty in being in all three of those because we can take lessons learned from those other project types and integrate them into what we're doing in senior living. Because again, even across the board with those, good design is good design. Now you need someone who's going to really coach you through the senior space because there are nuances of that. But yes, you're talking about a hospitality model and the hospitality model is centralized amenities right? For efficiency and what we just talked about, which is staffing. Um, the other great thing about that hospitality model is that I don't have seniors that are schlepping to lots of other areas of the building, right? So it's also breaking down how, how they use that building, wh- what their track is, mm-hmm. and folding that into how staff is tracking too. So I, I agree with you. There's flexibility in those spaces, right? You still have all of those amenities. You still have all of that service. Um, it's just it's planned out so that there's some flexibility. Right. So you really, it's almost like, it's almost a dichotomy. You have to create, we're talking about two different tracks that have to be blended into one building. So we're talking about potentially rooms changing to be comfortable for the resident, one bedrooms, maybe washers and dryers mm-hmm. come into the room, mm-hmm. maybe kitchenettes come into the room, mm-hmm. uh, which we're seeing kitchenettes going into hotels, extended stays at about $2,500 a room and being repositioned as multifamily. Right. But you bring those in so that you can quarantine if you need to. That's right. that's important. But at the same time, we know from 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 the pandemic, uh, you know, we're dealing with a lot of depression. We're we're dealing with a lot of disconnect. And it should be no surprise if you read uh the book Live Long Live Long, Die Short, which is a great book, it talks about the number one contribution to death is lack of connection. Absolutely. Uh, once there's a lack of connection, there's a lack of socialization, there's lack of purpose and relevancy. Um, y- y- there's just nothing to live for. And it doesn't matter how great, h- how pure your water is. It doesn't matter how clean the air is. It doesn't even matter if you're hydrated and your, and your medicines are being taken. You have no connection. You really lack a purpose. So we can't just, uh, assume we can, uh, minimize the, the common area spaces, quarantine, uh, and keep people safe and that we're going to have a good outcome. Right. We have to blend the two together. Absolutely. And we talked about, and we've gotten that call from a lot of our, our owners and operators is, okay, so we need to break down these large rooms, right? It's like, yes, and there is a way to do that without completely redesigning your building. And let's, um, you know, look at a safe way to socialize so that we don't say to our seniors, okay, um, you know, crazy virus going around. And so everyone stay in your room until further notice, because it, it is, it's taking a toll on our seniors and, and I'm not even referencing the virus. Right. So how can we make sure that they're still, they still are getting the love and care and attention that they need, which again, defaults back to why, you know, we're in healthcare. It is, it's a healthcare model. We want to make sure that, that they are taken care of and they have all the things that they need, but we can't just put them in rooms and, and, and assume that they're, they're going to be fine. Right. And then so pat ourselves on the back and say, we kept them safe. Oh, what an awesome job we've done. Didn't we do a great job? No one has COVID-19. But, but doesn't that go back into the whole planning? If it, maybe it's, uh, we're not eating in the dining room all at the same time. It's staged dining. Correct. Okay. How do, I, how is the building going to support that? How is the staff going to support that? And maybe, 
maybe it's not movie time all at the same time. Maybe we've got groups that sign up and you've got a couple in there, you know, at a safe distance. So I think, again, it's, there's a way to do it. There's a way to pivot. There's a way to, to have those conversations. But, um, you know, we want to make sure that our seniors are still getting to see other seniors. We want them to see their families. We want them to interact with staff. We want our staff to be safe. Um, well, a reduction in, in the, the building footprint with amenities being consolidated, but still given, but, but the, 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 the space lesson, you know, that, that would, that will create, you know, a less debt service as a cost of sales. And with less debt service and that, and those dollars freed up, you can actually add staff to really deliver the care you need to, to deliver. Sure. And I think people would be willing to pay the same rents they're paying, but maybe in a smaller venue with good technology and good amenities, rather than a place that's very grandiose, that's that's costing a lot of money on rent, there and maybe a reduction in the the care delivery because of that. Right, right. I get that. And we get asked all the time, um, you know, especially in this last year, um, of sort of what what does that look like? What do if you new buildings moving forward in twenty one? Um, I don't, I don't think it's dramatically different from what we were doing. Um, as far as, um, you know, asking the same questions and doing the same research. And, um, I don't want to be overreactive to 2020. And, and some of that's going on. Some of that is. Um, and that's dollars too that we're going to retrofit buildings. Uh, UV lighting, air handling, removing the air three or four more times an hour than we had in the past. And listen, no one's saying not do it, but do it smart. Make mm -hmm. sure you've done all the research and that your building is going to support those things. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so what do, what do we see as things in, in 21? What do we see that we think is going to work? Um, and, and what are we going to do about it? How are we going to lead the effort in that? Good question. Good question. <laughs> um, I think renovation and repurpose and, and spending some love and some time on buildings that are already existing is going to be a big trend in 21. I, I think, I mean, obviously there was funds that weren't spent in 20. There are a lot of developers and operations teams that think they're designing luxury and they're not. Right. Okay, so like, that, like, that's a big Well, they think they're programming five-star dining and they're not. Right. So they, they believe it is. A misconnect, a misconnect. It's a big disconnect. A disconnect there. It is there. a disconnect. But I will this say. This is not Ritz-Carlton. What we call resort is not Ritz-Carlton. Well, and there is an op, there is a space for that. The reality is, is it's just a very tiny portion. Yeah. And so, again, as, as business people, we see that there's still a void. And we, I want to help be the, the, the design group that can say, yes, listen, we have luxury product on the market right now. Mm -hmm. And she's stunning. Mm -hmm. But there are ways to also have really good looking mid-market product. Mm -hmm. There is. There's mm -hmm. a way to do that. And there's a way to, to, to make the numbers work. Because we hear that a lot. Oh, that we can't make the numbers work. It's either got to be grit and you've got, you know, mm -hmm. you know no, no uh, money for finishes at all. Or it's got to be here. There's a way to do here. Let me do here. Let me do mm -hmm. the middle. Mm -hmm. But I, regardless of where you are, luxury to here, I think the biggest trend that you're going to see in 21 is just health and wellness overall. So I think that you're going to see a focus on fitness. 
I think you're going to see a, a focus on PT and OT. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a focus on spending more dollars for cleaner food. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a focus on that F and B component altogether. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a focus on mental health because we're all going to need to rebound from 2020. So right. regardless of whether you have luxury and you have a five-star fitness center and spa, or you have a middle market product or below, there still has to be a focus on wellness. And I think that that's what we're going to get a lot of requests for. And if we don't, we will be pushing that agenda. You can talk to doctors all over this country that can talk about COVID all day long, but all of them will tell you that some of your best defense, whether you are 30 or you are 80, is is being healthy and having a strong immune system and be mentally well enough to potentially fight something. Oh, right. Yeah, like, it's listen, really not existing condition. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to get into that. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's not rocket science, right? I mean, Harvard Medical Review said it's hydration, it's nutrition, yes. it's it's movement, sure, right? It's positive psychology and it's engagement with other humans, right? It's it's socialization. So, how do we create the space that's going to support staff to be able to give that to residents? And to your point, that's going to that's going to be needed in every one of the models every we just talked about. Every single model. Skilled nursing. Every single one. Assisted living, memory care, yes. independent living. Yes. 55 active adults. Health and wellness. It's the new way. Right. And, and actually, that's confirmed earlier the year before the pandemic. Uh, it began to begin to bubble up at sure. National Investment Center. Yes. It began to bubble up at the American Senior Housing Association. There's a spotlight on it, her now. It is. It's about <laughs> if you're not ready to run a wellness and healthcare community, then you're in the wrong space. Right. If you think this is all about hospitality, you're going to be in trouble because the future is healthcare. You're right. And with that, Jimmy, I think we're going to have to leave. I've been drinking from a fire hose <laughs> with Melissa Banco because I'm. I don't. We don't talk well. We just. I don't know how we. <laughs> we just run on. We just. <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. This was great today. Thank you for coming and hanging out. Appreciate your and your talking all things senior living. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.